0: good morning it's good to see everyone uh, always good opportunity to get together and praise and uh, see my dearest brothers and sisters and uh, be thankful uh this morning uh, we're going to be in the book of matthew uh, beginning in chapter one uh, phil's coming around with some uh bibles uh, if you need one you can raise your hand and give them out i apologize they Real small, and the letters are small, but nonetheless, uh, we've got them. It's going to be that first book, actually, in that Bible that he's passing around, uh, and so it'll be an easy find today, uh, and I might be a little more difficult next week, but uh, this time it'll be right out the gate. First New Testament book, the Gospel of Matthew, and we look in Matthew chapter 1. And we won't read all of the genealogy because that stuff to us probably isn't, well, to me and some here, that's quite interesting. We will talk a little bit about it. Uh, but there's this issue and, and what we have to do to understand Matthew is that Matthew is attempting to connect Jewish people with the fact that Jesus is their king. And so throughout the whole book of Matthew and most of the Gospels, uh, you can look at it as a checklist ...of things that Jesus is checking off the box to show them that he is who the gospel writer is attempting to get them and convince them uh, of who he is. And especially in the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew, uh, the tax collector, is trying to connect Jesus with the kingship of the world. Now I want you to think about that. If Matthew uh, is a tax collector for the Romans, right, he would be viewed as a traitor... Uh, nobody likes to pay taxes anyways, right? And then throwing the fact that he's kind of viewed as turned against his fellow brothers, the Jews, and now he's working for the enemy. The enemy in which a lot of Jews are thinking the Messiah is going to come and reign forever. And not only that, he's going to kick out all the enemies of Israel. And so he's going to come in uh, with his military. He's going to kill these Gentile oppressors and we'll be all the better for it except we would not be all the better for it because, unless I'm mistaken, most of us in here would be considered Gentiles. And so, this is a message not only to the Jews, but also one to the Gentiles. Now, interesting enough, there are things that every speaker, especially Jewish people talking to Jewish people, they check off the box. You look at Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, and there he's going to talk about the prophets, he's going to talk about the law, and he's probably going to mention King David, right? That's the three-point sermon. So if you're ever like, man, Coach Creasy, uh, he, he just preaches the same thing over and over again. I do change it up a little bit more than they probably would have, right? So just keep that in mind, uh, however you feel about these sermons. But Matthew's goal is to connect Jesus as the king, not only of the Jews, but of the world in general. Uh, the whole universe. He is going to speak it into existence, to borrow a phrase from John, so we get to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 17. It says, All the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, the exile to Babylon were 14 generations. And from the deportation of the exile of Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. If you know some of the themes of the Bible, you know that numbers are important. And any derivative uh, of, of seven Uh, means complete perfection and so what matthew in a round way a jewish way is saying the timing is perfect now is the time Uh, there are times in our lives where we may be faced with a certain circumstance as a coach there was a time where i said this is the moment to run this play in my gut it's time it's time to run the play and that only happens like once or twice and so you better run the play Well, Matthew here is saying in a roundup, the Jewish way, right? Here in Fayetteville, we have ways of saying things that if you just drop someone from another culture in here, they would not get it. And so Matthew here is going, timing is perfect. Jesus is rolling in. God's timing is perfect. And now is the time that we need to be looking to the Messiah. And so 14, the number 7 bears out here. Now, it's important, especially for us reading it now, so that we don't have to read that genealogy, right? That would have been an utmost importance to a Jewish person. Many of them could do the same thing in the first century. They could have went all the way back, their genealogy. Unlike me, right? I don't know that I can tell you my great-great-great-great-parent's name, right? Or maybe my great great parents name. Uh, I know they were here because I'm here. But I don't really know them or know that much about them. It would have been the utmost business of every Jew to go back as far as they could. We've talked before about this Pharisee, this group of men who were to know the law and quite frankly kind of made up the traditions of of the Jews. And to be a Pharisee, your dad had to be a Pharisee. You couldn't just up and go, well, I'm going to go join this group and I'm going to be this great scholar of the Bible. No, that's not how that worked. Part of the reason we think that Jesus was a carpenter, right, was why? Because his daddy was a carpenter, right? And so there's a connection there, uh, and, and there's this genealogy, this aspect of who you are and what you're here to do. And we know that Jesus was here to build, but build something bigger than himself, actually, or actually is himself, to build something bigger in ourselves. So in verse 17, we get that aspect. We get to... Joseph the dreamer here in verse 18 now for those of you familiar with the Bible you know that there was a Joseph and there was a dreamer right you go back to uh, the end of Genesis and Joseph stands up uh, amongst his brothers and says hey you guys are all gonna bow to me which is always a great message to your brothers right makes everybody feel good uh, you know if, if Kevin Creasy showed up and said oh man you, you're gonna bow to me right that's probably not gonna fly over very well even now but even more so when I was younger like how dare you right but he's having these dreams and god is trying to deliver these messages to him and eventually he makes his way to egypt and and brings about salvation to the whole world by his trip to egypt when famine hits uh, he's prepared this great empire to survive it and not only survive it but to help others that should ring a bell to us as christians right jesus comes along Creates this kingdom, this kingdom that's not just for us, not for us to hoard, not for us to hold on to and kind of keep people at arm's length. In fact, the group, the Pharisees we mentioned, one of Jesus' biggest issues with them was they were trying to keep people at arm's length from God. Oh, you have to make us happy and then maybe, just maybe, if you play your cards right, you might be acceptable to the God of the universe. And so above everything else this morning, like I don't want you to think that I'm an obstacle to you knowing Jesus. I want to be an assistant, right? As a school here, we are an investment tool to help your kids get to know Jesus. It's the same thing with the church, right? We are an investment. We come alongside you and promote Jesus in your life. And if you find a body of people who claim to be Christians that are not doing that, then something is wrong. We know the measuring stick is off. And so we want to promote that. But we get Joseph the dreamer, I would say, and I would use the phrase, 2.0. And so beginning in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary, who we spoke about last week, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man. Now enough, right right there, we kind of see Joseph flash across the screen. And he kind of disappears into obscurity, right? The same thing with the first Joseph. Like Joseph flashes, he serves his purpose. He basically, through the power of God, saves the world, and then he's gone. And we might hear him about him every once in a while, but he certainly doesn't get the play that a lot of other people in the story get, right? And so if nothing else, for God to write in his word that he was a righteous man is a bold statement. May we all strive for that, right? Like, that's what I want. I want to hear Jesus say, well done. You did the things that were given to you well to do. Now, as we can imagine with Joseph, this isn't a circumstance that he probably ever grew up going, man, I hope I get used in this way, right? And any of us who've lived a life in service to Jesus, there were times where I was like, hey, I wasn't planning on being used in this way. Like, Maybe some other way? Uh, Could there be another path? And and once again, I don't think that's wrong to pray and have that conversation with God. We see that in Scripture. We see that from the Son of God. But the willingness to do, as Mary said, as we studied last week in Luke, as it is your word, may it be done unto me. And so this righteous man, of which we know and can connect Joseph with as well, Joseph 1.0 back in the Old Testament, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. He had already come up with a plan to protect Mary in some way. Now, our society today would look back and go, oh, I can't believe he even considered that, how terrible and awful that was. Well, considering he could have had her stoned to death, uh, this is a pretty good plan. Now, God obviously had a better plan, and thankfully, he shows up and lets us know that, Right? Uh, And so, but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in what? A dream. Now, I would say that this is not coincidence that Joseph is having a dream about the plan to save the world. And I think Joseph gets a little more clarity than the first Joseph uh, in the story when he has the dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. Notice that phrase happens all the time when an angel shows up. Or some dream, do not be afraid, for the child who has been received, conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There's that key saving aspect. And his people are now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us, And Joseph awoke from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus, God with us. And I think of that phrase that the first Joseph says, right? What you meant for evil, God has brought about good. And we certainly hope with all of the aspects of our life that that is the case. That the darkness we see in our own lives actually promotes us and projects us closer to God and draws us to Him. In chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, we see this again. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to where? Egypt. Egypt, once again, a circumstance that leads to Egypt that most people probably are not going to choose. We see the tragedy and the evil and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Verse 14, so Joseph got up. Now, realize what Joseph does when he has these dreams. He doesn't drag his feet. right? We've seen twice. Joseph got up and did what he was told to do. Now, I want you to think about, in the Jewish mind, going anywhere east is not good. In fact, uh, even Scripture, you can pick up the theme in the Old Testament, like, it's from the east. And you might could hear the song, dun-dun-dun, you know, like, this is not good. You don't go to the east. The east is bad news. And here we see God telling, go to Egypt, go to the east. Because there's some conquering that has to happen. And so he goes to the east. And nothing bad happens. In fact, he goes away from. And we see Herod, so Joseph 2.0, we see Herod step into the role of who? Pharaoh. Commanding the death of these children, just as Pharaoh had done. And so, what are we seeing here in Matthew? Matthew says, hey... This person claims to be the king, this person at one time claimed to be the king, but we all know who the king is, right? And so there's this aspect of this wrestling that has to happen, this political wrestling. Is Herod a little intimidated? Is he a little anxious? Is there a part of him that feels the need to show his authority? Well, Yes. And when we have to show our authority and we're desiring to do that, what does that undermine? Our authority. Right? When I get upset with my children, I have to go, are you upset because they're doing the wrong thing? Or are you upset because maybe you're a little prideful and they're not doing what you think? And so there, there's always that wrestling here. And so Herod steps into the role of Pharaoh, and guess who's still king though? Guess what all those plagues were about? Who is the real God? Who is number 1? Who is the all-powerful being that even when the world throws its worst, he's going to overcome. In a few weeks we celebrate the birth of Jesus. A couple months after that, we celebrate death throwing its worst, Satan throwing its worst, whoever the enemy is, the world throwing its worst and Jesus going, "Oh, I'll take your best shot." And I'm going to take your best shot and use it to save everyone. We see that theme over and over and over in Scripture. Verse 19, but when Herod died, right, there's an expiration date on these guys. They think they're something that they are not. And they feel the need to project that. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Where? In Egypt and said, get up and take the child as mother and go into the land of Israel for those who have sought the child's life are dead. Your circumstances, and I have been in them, right? Mike spoke to one that we have some in common, weeks in the hospital. And I remember having that thought, this will be my life forever. I will never be over this. It will, five weeks is forever. And five years later, five weeks doesn't seem like forever. But it's so easy to bind into the lie that this circumstance is forever. It's not. The one who sought the life of the child is dead. You can go back. And so we now see that Jesus is actually the better exodus. So God in a dream tells him to leave Egypt. And what is he going to go do? He's going to go do the perfect thing that the Israelites failed... He is the better, the perfect exodus. So we look at chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. We kind of spoke about that a little bit already. We'll go ahead and jump to chapter 3 for the sake of time. Verse 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He is concerned with all righteousness. Then he permitted him after being baptized. Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened and they saw the spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now there are all kinds of connections here. We could be here all day. I'm not going to do that to you, right? Right. I'm not going to do that to you, but we will connect on some of them, right? The Israelites leave Egypt, come out of Egypt The one who wants you dead is not going to kill you. And we see, fast forward into chapter 3, Jesus comes to a body of water. Now the Jordan River, the obvious one for those who understand the story of Joshua, is which river did they cross when they were going to enter into this promised land? The Jordan River. Obviously, we have the connection of the Red Sea, right? Jesus comes to the... The Israelites come to the Red Sea. They cross on dry land. Jesus goes into the Jordan. He is baptized to fulfill all righteousness. He's checking these boxes. Hey, Jewish person, he did all the things that your ancestors did, but he did them perfectly, as we will see in just a moment. But he crosses. Remember, they put the the blood of the lamb... On the door so that the death angel would pass over and not kill the children of the Israelites. Jesus goes in, he's baptized, that is, he's putting his blood on us so that the death angel will pass over us. The one who wants you dead no longer has the power to keep you there because of what Jesus has done. We get to chapter 4 and we begin to realize that Jesus is the what? The answer. Paul says in Colossians that we all the world's questions find their yes in Jesus. All the answers that Jesus has, Matthew chapter 4, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Right? Where do the Israelites go after they cross the Red Sea? Into the wilderness. For 40 years, Jesus goes in the wilderness for 40 days. And how were they tempted? Well, let's see. Let's follow the, the, the process, the plan. Verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Remember the Israelites go out in the wilderness? Oh, we at least had food in Egypt. Now we're out here going to starve to death. I can't believe you brought us out here. And what does the tempter show up and do? Oh, if you're hungry, you're, just, just tell these rocks to turn to bread. Thank God I don't have that power because I really like bread, right? (laughs) be putting on the weight for sure, but Jesus is the answer, right? What what does he do? He, He quotes Scripture. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What do we just do? Just eat the bread. Jesus said, you eat my body. This is the bread. This is the bread from heaven that's going to save you, that's going to remind you of all the things I've done for you. Jesus is tempted in the same way the Israelites are, and yet He does not sin. He does not take the bait. He quotes. You ever think how wild it is that Jesus is the Word of God and He quotes Himself? Like, I can't do that. I can't go, you know, all I said, and it gives it authority. No, He, he just quoted Himself. Like, Boom! <clears throat> Now, that will also keep you up late at night if you think about it too much. But nonetheless, he quotes. He says, I'm, I'm here to live off what God has given me. What are you doing? What are we here to live off of? Well, if you really understand who God is, you know that every blessing, all the things that we're about to be thankful for, every good and perfect gift comes from, from God. And so we're living the very breath that we have, that we are going to inhale and exhale till we no longer do that is is from God. And so then we get to, then the devil took him into a holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Here we see the tempter, quote, the Bible. Right? The Bible. Now the goal is completely off. And I have to be careful with that as a teacher of the word of God, right? Like, am I teaching this today to make you think I'm special or am I teaching you this today to bring you low or are we all kind of in the same boat here and we're all striving to follow God closer and Jesus said to him on the other hand it is written you shall not put the Lord your God to the test now I'll be honest with you if you take me off my feet and put me up to a high place and said jump off that's not much of a temptation to me like I've never really understood this one like Why is that tempting? Well, if you think about it, you know, the pinnacle, the temple is like downtown Jerusalem. We're going to take you down here to Washington Street. We're going to put you top of that roof and we want you to jump down, right? But think about Jerusalem, much more, much more people and busier. And if Jesus jumps off that temple mount and the sky rips open and a bunch of angels who can kill about 180,000 people apiece at one moment swoop down, grab Jesus, anybody ever going to crucify that guy? As the kids say, you don't want that smoke, right? Everybody's going to go. Oh well, this is the and we're all stuck, right? We don't have the ability to get right through that plan. Now I'm not going to speak on God's behalf, and if there's a plan A, B, or C, I, you know, whatever. But that's the temptation, right? Like if I do this, there's a good chance I'm not going to be humiliated and treated worse than a dog, and I kind of get. The people I came for, because where's it at? Jerusalem. Like, Here's my people. So there's the temptation, right? Because as a kid, I was just like, throw yourself off. Like, there's no parachute or anything. That's not tempting to me. But there's the temptation. I can avoid this terrible, awful outcome. How many of us have taken that bait? Like, I'm just going to sit over and be quiet, because if I open my mouth, that's a little bit of trouble I don't want. We've all done it. And he doesn't do that. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kings of the world, and their glory he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister him. As we wrap up our time together, I want you to think about who Matthew Was trying to connect Jesus to in Matthew chapter 1: King David. This is the guy that you've been looking for. Now, think about King David. I I got a lot of admiration. I feel like I just kind of trash the guy all the time, right? I, I got a great admiration for anyone in which it says this is a man after God's own heart. But how do we know that he's a man after God's own heart? Because he failed. A lot. Like if we made a list of all the big sins, right? I don't know that God looks at it this way. But if we, even people who don't believe in God, made a list of the things that David did, they would list some big ones. You know, steal another man's wife, have him murdered and killed in battle so that I don't have to deal with that issue. And this is the guy they're trying to connect Jesus to? What about Rahab? The harlots. right? The list goes on. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those guys weren't perfect. But you see, that's the point, is it not? The message here to not only the tempter, but to every Jew who reads this is don't worship the wrong guy. David was awesome. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, I want you to remember what I've done for them. But don't forget who did the doing for every person in that club. And they're no better at the end of the day than you are. As Peter says in his sermon in Acts 2, David's body is still with us. It's, it's like right over there. We can go see where he's buried. This Jesus is alive and well And ruling and reigning and will always so make sure that you got the right guy we serve a God who desires for you to be as close to him as you want to be how do we know that because his son came and died a terrible awful death rose the third day so that you could have as much of God as you want in your life now the key to that is is we all have a choice We all have a gauge. We all have a measuring stick. How much do we really want? If there's nothing that you can be thankful, I don't know your circumstance, I don't know what you're going through, I guarantee you as a human being there is something that could be better, that could be upgraded, right? But whatever that circumstance is, and no matter how traumatic it is, you have a Savior who wants to be there in the midst of that mess, walking with you, lifting you up, carrying you sometimes. I would say most of the time, the longer I live. It's the only way I get from day to day. If you feel that way this morning, you're in the right place because you're not alone. (laughs) We're all right there with you. And we have a minute, we have a tradition that we do around here. We pass the microphone, as Phil's mentioned, that we want to be thankful today. But also on the flip side of that, if, if you're struggling to be thankful today, there's something that we can assist you in to make this day a better one we look for that as an opportunity and really a blessing to be the hands and feet of Jesus and if you would be willing to give us that opportunity we want to give you that opportunity to share that with the group We'll put it on our list if it's something you don't want going out on email we can do it that way too but we look to assist you and love on you if there's something we can help you to do to be closer to Jesus today why not you let us know that, either while we stand and sing or during share time. Let's stand together.